Security Weekly News, episode 131. Number one in the charts, the cyber charts that is. Finance receives the banhammer from UK's FCA. Lawmakers introduce American Cybersecurity Literacy Act. Marines, that does not apply to you. You keep chumping them crayons. Key vulnerabilities in the Atlassian project and software development platform. GitHub bug bounties pay surge past 1.5 million mark. Sounds like rookie numbers to me. The UK MOD giving away secrets for free if you ride the bus. All this and more on Security Weekly News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. As technology continues to evolve and expand, so have the attackers that put our critical systems in jeopardy. Core Impact from Core Security is a penetration testing tool that safely finds vulnerabilities using the same techniques of adversaries. With certified exploits and wizards that guide you through critical pen tests while maximizing the time of advanced testers by automating their routines. With Core Security, you can safeguard your infrastructure by limiting access, detecting threats, testing for security weaknesses, and efficiently monitoring data. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash core security. It's the week of 26 June and I am Aaron Leyland from Restricted Access Limited and I'm filling in for the delightful, delectable and some would say edible Dr. Doug on the Security Weekly News. So in vein of Dr. Doug starting off with some good news for my American cousins. It was reported yesterday that a study by the London-based think tank Mouthful coming up, International Institute for Strategic Studies, IISS, I'm sure that's not how they say it, but it sounds cool to me, has taken a look at the cyber power of countries amid growing threats of online espionage and ranked them according to their capabilities. Greg Austin, cool name, ex- expert in cyberspace and future conflict at the IISS, said that the information age is reshaping global dynamics. Traditionally, powerful countries such as India and Japan have begun to lag behind, while smaller countries such as Israel and Australia have um, built cutting-edge cyber skills. And this has been mentioned in a report in the Financial Times. The report, moreover, does not shed a flattering light on China. It said that um, poor security and weak intelligence analysis undermines China's strengths as a cyber power. It predicts that Beijing will not be able to catch up with the U.S.'s capabilities for at least a decade. (laughs) I'm not sure if this is to taunt the panda or not, but I'm sure it will. And um, I, I, I feel all the pandas in the zoo being um, brought back to Beijing at this rate. But on the other hand, as I sort of alluded to at the start, the U.S.'s digital industrial base, cryptographic expertise, and ability to undertake sophisticated and surgical cyber strikes 
against adversaries sets it apart as number one numero uno. IISS ranked the countries on the basis of a range of cyber capabilities, including strength of the digital economy, maturity of intelligence, security functions, integration of cyber facilities with military operations. Next story, reported on the 28th of June on Malwarebytes Labs that Binance receives the banhammer from the UK's FCA. Is this FUD, FUD, FUD? Some definitely think so, and I for one hope so, as my life savings may be tied up in cryptocurrency, or gold, or magic beans. Binance, the world's largest and most popular cryptocurrency exchange network, has had a few rough days, to say the least. First, Japan's financial regulator, the Financial Services Agency, FSA, issued to the set issued its second warning to Binance on Friday the 25th of June for operating in the country without permission. They already had a warning that was issued in 2018. I wonder will they take it serious this time. That same day, Binance withdrew its services from Ontario, Canada, after the Ontario Securities Commission, OSC, published a notice of hearing and statement of allegation against Bybit, another crypto trading platform that is based in Singapore, taking it as a sign for them to bail. The OSC has accused Bybit of non-compliance with province with province regulations, if I can get my words out. Then, to make it worse, compounding, Saturday the 26th of June, the UK's own financial regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA, ordered Binance to cease activities in the UK. The warning reads, most firms advertising and selling investments in crypto assets are not authorized by the FCA. This means that if you invest in certain crypto assets, you will not have access to the financial ombudsman service or the financial services compensation scheme if things go wrong. I thought that was kind of the point. But anyway, we go on. While we don't regulate crypto assets like Bitcoin or Ether, we do regulate certain crypto asset derivatives, such as future contracts, contracts for the difference and options, as well as the crypto assets we could consider securities. I think that's one that comes into play when we look at XRP and all the issues going on with Ripple. Um, a firm must be authorized by us to advertise or sell these products in the UK. They may be overstepping for me and um, on their definition of a security, but um, I might be sitting <laughs> watching this closely. Um, they have released some magic words or possibly magic beans as the FCA issued a warning to British consumers about Binance Markets Limited. The financial regulator also offered words of wisdom to anyone interested in investing in cryptocurrency assets. It started with do your research. It's very easy to get caught up in the hype and the loudest drones could be enough to drown out any more sensible voices. Not Elon Musk, then. 
doing your research, reading up more about the company you're going to be investing in and what you're investing on and reading stories that show successes and failures in such investments could put one's head in a better perspective to not make hasty decisions. Furthermore, make sure that they are legally recognized to conduct business in your country, else no one will back you up when things go south. And sometimes they do pretty quickly. Elon Musk, China, Japan, Canada. Oh, it's getting difficult. Check with Companies House to see if the firm is registered as a UK company and for the director's names. To see if others have posted any concerns, search online for the firm's name, director's names, and the product you are considering. The FCA urges the British public, always be wary if you're contacted out of the blue, pressured to invest quickly, or promised returns that sound good to be true. Sounds like they've been reading my advice for phishing emails, but we go on. It was reported by ZDNet on the 28th of June that cyber insurance isn't helping with cybersecurity, and it might be making the ransomware crisis worse, say researchers. Allowing organizations to, complain, to claim back ransom payments could make the problem of ransomware worse, but cyber insurance could be used to help improve security, says Royal United Services Institute research paper. RUSI is the world's oldest and the UK's leading defence and security think tank. I've actually been to um, a few of their briefing days. Quite interesting. Um, they are interesting to follow. And I'll put it out there. RUSI, if you're listening, feel free to ping me by any means. I would love to be involved. Love your work. So, do I need to give commentary on this? Or do we all know that pay paying ransomware is terrible for the community? All repeat after me. I will not pay the ransomware. <laughs> On a serious note, this is a serious problem, which I highly recommend crisis exercising within your organization. Possibly more than once. Include the lawyers. Include comms. Include the senior leadership team. Everybody should have an idea what to do before you have to actually do it. Okay, lawmakers introduce American Cybersecurity Literacy Act. I don't know if this is just for Marines or not, but um, it's been reported on the 28th of June. Bipartisan House lawmakers, it's nice to see something bipartisan in America recently, introduced legislation to increase cybersecurity literacy and security awareness among the American public amid a spike in cybersecurity threats against critical infrastructure. We call that critical national infrastructure in the UK. What NIST then published on Friday as a definition of critical software is software or software dependencies that contain at least one of the following attributes. Software that is designed to run with elevated privilege or managed privileges. Software that has direct or privileged access to networking or computing resources. Software that is designed to control access to data or operational technology. Software that performs a functional function critical to trust. One second, please. Or software that operates outside of normal trust boundaries with privileged access. 
This definition includes operating systems, web browsers, hypervisors, endpoint security tools, identity and access management applications, network monitoring tools, and other products, according to NIST. A pretty extensive list, I think you'll agree. Answers on a postcard for anything that was missed out. I will possibly, I will send you, for the first person that answers something that was missed, this t-shirt that I'm wearing. I will wash it, or someone will wash it. Anyway, I love NIST, and I think I'll leave that there in case they ever come after me for money. Okay, on Wednesday the 23rd of June, cybersecurity experts uncovered key vulnerabilities in the Atlassian project and software platform that might have been exploited to take over the account and control certain apps connected via its single sign-on SSO capabilities. Personally, I worry about this because um, a lot of us or a lot of people see single sign-on as the future and the answer and... Um, Obviously, um, hack the single sign-on, and you're not just getting into one piece of software. You're getting into everything that's connected. But anyway, supply chain attacks have piqued our interest all year. Ever since the SolarWinds incident, the platforms from Atlassian are central to an organization's workflow. True, said Odid Vanunu head of products vulnerabilities research at checkpoint an incredible amount of supply chain information flows through these applications as well as engineering and project management all i can say on this is that solar winds incident is not going away anytime soon and also that any software that you use that updates on the internet is likely to be of interest to all nation states and do not tell them I told you that. I have no inside information. Okay, right, nearly there. This week, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency recommends DMARC for ransomware protection. And I agree, so get on that. Microsoft Edge bug could have let hackers steal your secrets for any site. Microsoft. Last week, they rolled out updates for the Edge browser with fixes for two security issues, one of which concerns a security bypass vulnerability that could be exploited to inject and execute arbitrary code in the context of any website. GitHub, GitHub bug bounties payout surge past 1.5 million mark. GitHub says that 2020 was the busiest year yet in vulnerability disclosure. Over half a million dollars has been issued as rewards for researchers participating in GitHub's bug bounty program over the past year, bringing total payouts to over 1.5 million. Bug bounty programs are now a common way for vendors to elicit help from third-party researchers in securing products and services. Years past, it was sometimes difficult to privately disclose bugs, and many companies did not have a dedicated contact or portal for vulnerability reports. But now, both credit and financial rewards are on offer, according to this report. The vendor says that 2020 was the busiest year yet for GitHub's 
program. I'm not even going to read the rest of that. Um, loads of bugs. GitHub getting them really cheap. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I am not one to tell tales, but in my humble opinion, we are in the custard in some part due to Microsoft not picking up the ball earlier and incentivizing the community to assist in plugging holes in software. Microsoft, I honestly think you could do much, much more. Please show us what good people you are and get back to the community in a more extravagant way. 1.5 million. I probably had that in Bitcoin last month. Anyway, a vulnerability in NVIDIA's, just realized I didn't know how to pronounce NVIDIA's, um, GeForce Experience software opens the door to remote data access manipulation and deletion. NVIDIA games graphics software called GeForce Experience, bundled with the chip maker's popular GTX GPU, is flawed and opens the door to your remote attack that can exploit the bug to steal or manipulate data on a vulnerable Windows computer. NVIDIA notified customers late last week of the bug and diligently um, released a software patch for the flaw, which is present in the GeForce Experience version 3.21 and prior Windows software. Uh, 3.23 GeForce update is available now to mitigate the bug. Western Digital, my book live, hard drives remotely wiped by attackers. I'm not going to read the story, but I offer some advice. If it is old and it's connected to the internet, then maybe you should reassess what you need it to be there, what you need it to be there for, and what you need on it. Okay, right. Hackers tricked Microsoft into signing NetFilter driver loaded with rootkit malware. Microsoft on Friday said it's investigating an incident wherein a driver signed by the company turned out to be malicious Windows rootkit and observed communicating with C2 command and control servers located in China. The driver called NetFilter is said to target gaming environments, specifically in the East Asian countries um with the redmond based firm noting the actor's goal is to use the driver to spoof their geolocation to cheat the system and play from anywhere oh my gosh we're going back to pokemon anyway micro microsoft 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 give us some chocolate give back give back Anyway, Cisco ASA vulnerability actively exploited after exploit released. Hackers are scanning and actively exploiting a vulnerability in Cisco ASA devices after a POC exploit was published on Twitter. And that's a proof of concept, but you all know that. The Cisco ASA vulnerability is a cross-site scripting vulnerability that is tracked as CVE 2023580. After a vulnerability has been fixed and had enough time, has been given for the device to be upgraded, that's normally when security researchers publish the proof of concept, BOC, exploits to share how organizations detect and prevent associated attacks. Speaking of associated attacks, 
When we return, Jason Wood joins in with the commentary. Cybercriminals are working overtime. They're leveraging activity around the COVID vaccine to disguise phishing attacks, hoping to steal money or personal information from your employees or customers. The Barracuda Email Threat Scanner is a free tool you can use right now to help protect your business and ultimately your reputation. The Barracuda Email Threat Scanner analyzes your Office 365 accounts and identifies malicious emails that slipped past your gateway and into inboxes. Find the cybersecurity threats hiding in your Office 365 email. Use the Barracuda Email Threat Scanner for free right now at securityweekly.com forward slash Some still say that he's terrified of ducks and the Russian airport, which he was named after or was named after him, has changed its name as no one held in high regard in Russia can be seen to be scared of ducks. His digital face is getting more beautiful by the week due to their aggressive patching process. And this week, he did not feel like sacking the president. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Afraid of Ducks, Jason Woods. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Aaron. Fortunately, my friend India is helping me out with my fear of ducks. I think she's planning on just killing every duck she sees, so I should be set. Um, So today, I wanted to talk about a an article I saw on Threat Post about um, the usage of Cobalt Strike by threat actors uh, or, or adversaries, or as you like, to, as I like to just call them, bad guys. Um, the article's title is "Cobalt Strike Usage Explodes Among Cyber Crooks." End quote. Uh, I'll be honest. My first reaction when I saw this was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I've been seeing these guys use Cobalt Strike." All, all the time. Um, this didn't seem that unusual to me. So I actually pivoted back to some data that I have access to as part of my job and started looking at some of the numbers and I realized just how much this statement is, is really true. Um, there has been a ton of, of usage by of Cobalt Strike being used by our adversaries out there. Um, and it's just, it's really has taken off over the last last couple of years. Uh, the source for this article comes from a uh, report released by Proofpoint uh, titled Cobalt Strike, Favorite Tool from APT to Crimeware. Uh, Proofpoint is in a great position to report on stuff like this uh, because they see everything that's being transmitted around via email. They're used by tons and tons of companies for email security. Um, so they can see a lot of what's being transmitted through these messages, and they're picking up on this cobalt strike uh, delivery occurring through this this uh, uh, this delivery mechanism to the victims. Uh, what they report on first off, uh, cobalt strike usage is up 161 percent from 2019 to 2020. Now, that's a huge increase, and I it's something that I looked at at uh, again the data I saw, and, and yeah, that's that's actually. Um, Seems in line. I didn't do the exact math, but uh, it, it seems like yeah, that's that's we're on track for that. Um, and second is the usage. You know, it was known at first for being used by state-sponsored adversaries, and now it's being used more commonly by criminal actors. And you know, this is now keep in mind again, this is information being derived specifically from Proofpoint's data set. Uh, you know, they can't see anybody else's data, for example. Um, but you know, it's still you know is it, you know you if, if 
it's something that's bearing out as I look at other data sets that are available. I have access, for example, to, you know, because I work at CrowdStrike, I see a lot of information on the endpoints. And so definitely seeing this reflected here. Um, it's it's become a huge asset to adversaries because it's such a capable tool. And it's something that the creators of Cobalt Strike obviously never intended to happen. If you're not familiar with Cobalt Strike already, it's actually a tool that was written for penetration testers and red teams. Um, hey, how do we facilitate uh, better red team engagements or penetration testing engagements? How do we deal with limited time requirements? Like so when I was doing penetration testing, you had a week, maybe two weeks to get this done. So, you, you know, getting your workflow and stuff like that going was a big deal. So to, any tools like this really help. And so that's what they this was created for us to help out with that and make sure that we are getting better results out of the limited time frames we have. Unfortunately, the bad guys have recognized this as well and have gone out to obtain it. Uh, there was a source code leak and there are cracked versions of the software uh, that are that are out there now. And basically that, you know, they've, they've broken the licensing mechanism that allows them to use this. Um, Basically, you know, they're under some of the same requirements. They've got limited amounts of time. They've got to get things done. Uh, they have the desire for greater capabilities, and they don't want to write their own tools. So they, this is why they've, they've glommed onto this. Um, obviously, stealing code is not going to be an issue to them because they're stealing all kinds of other stuff in the process. So what's a little licensing on the side? Uh, no one likes the idea of their tools being used for illegal purposes. The proof, uh, the report from Proofpoint is certainly going to cause the creators of, of Cobalt Strike some heartburn. Um, I've heard other tool authors make comments uh, about how they felt when they, they heard that a tool that they had written was used in an intrusion and, and basically ended up hurting an organization. This is not something they enjoy. These are folks who are committed to improving the resilience and security of our organizations. Um, and the systems that we all depend on. So this really sucks for them. Uh, the interesting point about this is this article I could see being used by those who say, see, this is why we shouldn't have penetration testing tools out there. This is why we shouldn't write these tools and, and release them in any way publicly. Now, in my opinion, this is going to lead to just way too much ignorance on our parts. If you go back to you know, before we had tool sets like Metasploits and whatnot, um, you know, you would have these conversations where you'd say, hey, this is what's possible with this vulnerability. And they, okay, prove it, you know, show me that that's real. And that's what you hear back as the security person or systems administrator who's, you know, security uh, conscious and is trying to do the right thing. And without these tools, it's really difficult for us to demonstrate that. I mean, most of us aren't paid to sit there all day and write exploitation tools while we work as our, in our corporate security gig. Um, so we're end up in this really crappy position where our security sucks uh, because we haven't been able to prove it to get budget that we need. Um, penetration testers, maybe, you know, they can help here, but if they didn't have any access to these tools, that would make their life difficult as well and make it harder for them to pro provide the results that we need. Um, but the bad guys can and do write this stuff. They certainly are going to use it on their own, but I see lots of actor written tools and, and some of it's pretty good stuff. So, um, you know, I don't know that there's really a good answer to this, uh, but regardless, Pandora's box has been open. These tools are out here. They're helping us secure our environments, but at the same time, the bad guys are only too willing to ride along with them at the same time. And in spite of our best efforts, uh, to prevent them from getting access to them.
One of the things that has definitely stood out to me, particularly as I've gotten into threat hunting over the last few years, is we have very intelligent adversaries on the other side of uh, of this problem that we're dealing with called cybersecurity. Uh, criminal actors, they're getting better and better. They want to improve. They want to improve their profits and and through things quickly as possible. Um, this change in criminal behavior of using tools like Cobalt Strike is just another evolution in that. Um, so, you know, this is something that I think you're going to continue to see. I think you're going to continue to see the, the criminal actors work to improve their capabilities. They're getting much more capable and uh, able to blur the lines, if you will, between them and the state-sponsored adversaries to an extent. Uh, they work very fast. As a result of that, we need to be ready to work very fast as on our own as defenders to respond to this type of activity. Um, with that, go ahead and check out the show notes. I've got the links to the articles there, both the, uh, the Threat Post article as well as the report from, um, from Proofpoint. And with that, I will turn it back over to you, Aaron. Thank you, Jason. Um, at the end of the day, Hackers are going to hack and threat actors are going to be thespians. Um, if it wasn't this piece of software, it'd be another piece of software. And um, I honestly think that it's better that piece of software as hopefully we have more of an idea of the signatures and how it moves within our environment. So um, I wouldn't be too upset if you made that software. Um, it's obviously very good. And finally, bad news for the United Kingdom. Although England did just win the football, I heard in the background against Germany. Sorry, German listeners. The Ministry of Defence is sorry after secret papers left at a bus stop. The government has said, I'm not laughing. The government has said that it is carrying out a thorough investigation into how classified defence documents were found at a bus stop in Kent. Defence Minister Jeremy Quinn told MPs he was very sorry it had happened. He said it appeared to be a mistake made by a senior official. It's never the juniors. Anyway, and the person's access to sensitive material has been temporarily suspended. No giggity. The documents which were handed to the BBC, strange it wasn't the police, maybe somebody was after a payday, contained the details of HMS Defender and the military. They were found, I love this word, in a soggy heap behind a bus stop in Kent early on Tuesday morning. It may not be a cyber story in the traditional sense, but it does give a solid argument for not only DLP implementation, but also that once great dream that you and I had of a paperless office. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for joining us today on Security Weekly News. The never underestimated Doug White will be back on Friday with the Security Weekly Wrap-Up Show. Looking forward to it, Doug.